Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Welcome to On the Record with Tiffany. There are heroes throughout San Antonio, men and women that go the extra mile to make lives better. During the next hour, you'll be inspired as we introduce you to these unsung heroes. And now here's your host, Tiffany Jones-Smith. And welcome to On the Record with Tiffany and Kevin on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, where we give you a B1 Republican perspective from the uh, descendants of American slaves. All right. So today we're recording in our lovely studio in the house. Tiffany uh, got into a little accident. She was T-boned the other day, uh, well, actually a day or two ago, and uh, we brought our studio to the house. All right, Tiffany. So, you know, uh, we were looking in the comments the other day on our YouTube. And uh, since I do a lot of the research on the show, one of the things that someone came back and they asked us the question, what do you mean B1? B1 Republican, right? So in most circles on the Internet, that's like a contradiction, right? How can you be black first and a Republican? Well, you can and you should be. Right. And so we wanted to uh, kind of go through that and talk about what that means to us, because there's this caricature of uh, of a black Republican or a black conservative. Hell, I even have it in my head when I hear the word right of this end of this uh, of a black person who no matter what the particular topic or issue or encounter is, is that they will always point out the fault of the black person. No matter what, even if the evidence is contrary to that. Right. And so and I believe if, you know, the person if the situation says, you know, uh, that person should have taken responsibility. I'm for that. Right. But that's not always the issue. Right. And so and their solution is that black people just need to try harder. Right. And they're always when they communicate that they, they're communicating that not to black people. But they're always communicating that to white people to give racist white people, right, an out on that, right? And so that's a fact. And that turns a lot of just normal everyday people off. And so we were going to respond to that question. And I think it's a valid question, right? When you say B1 Republican, what do you mean by that? And then also, why are you a Republican? So I'll let Tiffany speak in regards to that. First, <laughs> well, uh, I believe that there should be, like I've said before, people on both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, uh, family values, uh, there are certain things that that appeal to me in the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does not appeal to me is uh, the notion that you have to vote against your own Mm self-interest for a party. I'm not going to do that. Because for me, uh, black first means exactly what it says. I'm black. I'm going, I'm in this party to vote the agenda that that suits me, just as everybody else is Mm -hmm. in this party. Yep. And uh, we, as black people, get to define what that agenda is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the whole simulation and cooning aspect of uh, some other people who are, are black Republicans, that's not a part of my, my personal ethos. It's not something I'm going to do. And uh, that's what it means for me. Yeah. So uh, for me, Right. Uh, and and I, I tend to be uh, my beliefs are a little more radical. Right. Well, first, it's the idea. There's five. Right. There's a few more. But just the general basic ideas of individualism, liberty, equal rights, limited government and capitalism. Right. Those are the big five. Right. That I am an individual. Right. Yes, I do belong to a group. Right. Whether 
that that group, you know, I belong to a group, right? Liberty, right? Freedom, right? Equality, equal rights, limited government, capitalism, right? Those are the basic principles of that. Uh, so those are the five things I'm trying to conserve. And I use the term B1, right, which is black first, like Tiffany said. Uh, when I come in, I am uh, part of the group that I represent are black people. And I'm bringing, I'm bringing a black awareness to the particular policies and issues that are being brought up, just as if I were a woman, right, a white woman, right? I would bring that perspective to the sit down at the policy table when you're making the decision, and they all bring that perspective. They bring everybody, every group brings their own perspective. So to expect black people not to do that mm-hmm. is uh, ridiculous. It's ridiculous to expect us not to, to expect us not to uh, have an interest in our neighborhoods, mm-hmm. have an interest in the economic engines of our communities. Correct. Uh, so we're always going to vote for our communities, for the improvement of our communities. That goes along with with uh, what I believe, freedom, mm-hmm. opportunity, growth, and progress. Yep. If you're not, if, uh, if you believe in those four things, then you need to be coming uh, hard for your own community. Yeah, and so and then the other thing that I, the reason, uh, so that's it on those for the five, right? The other thing is that the thing that I'm trying to conserve in America is uh, the idea of intellectual freedom, right, to be able to communicate and speak. Uh, I don't buy into the idea that words are violence. Uh, it's, it's, it's just simply because you, you got to have a good argument, right? That's how the basic ideas of America are, right, is that we have the, the basic freedom of, of intellectual freedom and uh, a free speech, that I get to communicate, right? You can disagree with me, but you don't get to label me violent in my speech, right? And that annoys me right now with the current culture. Now, that being said, this is nuance. So the new other nuance part of that is that there are real issues, right? And I can list four right off the top of my head that I, that, uh, that I believe concern all black people, right? All people in general, Right. That first one is education. We all want a good education for our child. Right. Uh, having them educated. Uh, the second one is uh, policing. Right. I think the bottom 10 percent of the police force is off the chain and need to be addressed. You know, you can be uh, anti cop, uh, anti police brutality of any group, black or white. And yes, it does happen to white people. Right. Uh, and then also uh Education, I think I said, let me repeat, uh, policing, education uh, and, uh, and and capitalism, access to capital in order to grow businesses. Right. And then a the fourth one that seems to be pretty high is this idea of reparations. I'm warming up to it. I'm reading more and more about it. Right. Uh, but you say, Kevin, how does that involve the Republican Party? If you want any of those things or to address any of those things for your for your community, you have got to have someone on the other side uh, with the other party. We're a two party system. Right. And I want to know. I believe the Republicans have the answer to all four of those that are better than the than the Democratic Party. And, you know, Tiffany always shoots for 50 50. I think initially you got to have a huge swings and I am shooting for 75, 80 percent of the voting uh, uh, African American. I know some people get upset with me that of that on the internet, right? Uh, of black people voting with the Republican Party for those issues, right? You cannot get those issues if you if you cannot get those issues addressed if you're not politically involved, not just simply voting, but also showing up at the Republican committees. You got to have numbers for that. Uh, right now, uh, Donald Trump got twelve percent of the black vote. Twelve percent. Right. You got to show up and advocate for black people. Uh-huh, you can't yeah. just show up and vote along with whatever uh, somebody else is saying that's not in your best interest. And that's on both sides of the fence. You got to show up for black people because nobody else is going to do that. Nobody, there's no benevolent benefactor that's coming along that's going to go, well, and let's include the blacks. That hasn't happened for you yet. And it's not. And that's right now. It's not going to happen. And right now with the Democratic Party, that's exactly what's happening. 
Yeah. The biggest complaint is that, hey, we don't feel like our issues are being heard. They haven't been heard. All you have to do is go into any urban neighborhood anywhere and look around and, and ask, oh, has it always been like this? Was it better? Has it gotten worse over the years? And everyone will tell you. The people, the residents will tell you. It's gotten, it's continuously deteriorated under every single administration. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, and, and don't pull out some statistical outlier and come popping up here. That's the case for the majority mm -hmm. of people, the majority of urban settings. Then that means that the issues that we have discussed Economic issues, mm -hmm. educational issues, educational issues, Long growing order. black businesses. But economically, it's always going to boil down to businesses. Are there businesses there? Are the businesses growing? Is there access to capital for the businesses within those communities? It's not there. And then also just at the local level, the way the rules are being passed and at in their the different rules and regulations are being passed. If you're not at the table to address those, mm -hmm. right, your issues aren't going to get addressed. You know, could, is that racist? It might be, but I think it's just you're not we're not represented. Yeah, you can't opt out of the the uh, voting process, opt out of all of the the processes that are going to help you get the things that you want within your neighborhood and your community. If you opt out of that, you are essentially abdicating any responsibility for this neighborhood. Yeah, and so you, I hear a lot of voices, a lot of powerful grassroots voices uh, on the internet in the in different communities, right, who are black first, right, but they're black first Democrats, and their strategy is we're not going to vote for the Democrats. We're just not going to vote at all. Which is nonsense. Yeah, which is you need to take your vote and your political power and come over to our side, Right. Well, yeah, we show up in numbers. It's OK. It's OK to decide you don't want to vote for this person or that person. But do not make the decision. Hey, I'm not going to vote at all. Exactly. Because you're never going to find perfection in the voting in uh, in candidates and voting. But you can find you can put candidates forward that have your uh, best interest and your your economic best interest in terms of your neighborhood, mm -hmm. in terms of your community, beyond your neighborhood, in terms of your city, you can put people forward who will do that. Yeah. And, you know, and I know it doesn't feel, and this is specifically to uh, to my B1 people, it doesn't feel good, right? It, it You know, there are historical wrongs. You could be going to, through a historical issue, right? Or a present mm -hmm. issue, right? From policing to education, Tiffany, uh, to education and those items, right? And you want to complain about it. And I'm good for a good gripe. I, I love a good gripe. Right? But you have to take action. Action, action is required here. Yeah, we have to be politically And people involved. are not going to be perfect. So you you find the one, you put forward the person that is is advocating for what you need. Yeah. And, and that, that calls for in order to do that, you have to participate within the party that you're in. You have to be at the primaries. You have to put candidates forward for the for the primaries. It it requires far more than a simple vote on the back on the the back end in November. You need to be in, engaged and involved in the process throughout uh the the primaries and putting candidates forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when from the beginning, you have to engage. And so let me just summarize this part of it is right. Why am I a black first Republican? I'm a black first Republican because I believe in the original values that we started off in. Right. Of individualism, liberty, equal rights, limited government and capitalism. Right. And then also the basic. And we believe that it should be that those rights belong to black people as much as they belong to anyone else. Yeah. And those are the values that we are conserving. Mm -hmm. Right now, we are aware that there are racist people. Uh, but there always have been. Yeah. They're, 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 and they're not going to uh, they're not going to change. But we're in a time in the United States where we can make change. Mm -hmm. Yep. Where our voices can be heard, where they can't just come walking up in, in my house and do whatever they want to do. 
They can't just come walking up in my neighborhood and sit out and push their way into my home. This is correct. So that is why we are black first Republicans. We will advocate and we always come and sit at the table as a black person who's a Republican, who's on the Republican Party. We believe that there needs to be a greater influx of black people, not simply voting Republican. When I say become Republican, I mean as a participant involved in the various uh, decision making processes and the primaries, et cetera, because our vote can change things. Our vote and participation can sway people and change things as we build allies in the party. All right, Tiffany, last uh, the last part of it, we talked about why we are Republicans, right? B1 Republicans, where mm-hmm. we advocate and we show up as a black person and we, we don't fit that caricature of we're just going to say whatever, uh, whatever the talking points are. Right. And I'm a strong believer in that. I'm going to express my view of that. And I come from a black perspective on that. Right. So uh, let's give some examples of this, of where in our lives. And I'm going to let Tiffany talk a little bit on this. We're showing up as a as a black first Republican and speaking on black issues from the Republican perspective that we've given you. So uh, the the other part that I think there needs to be a reset uh, within just. American, the American mindset back to the uh, 65, 98 view uh, of eight, of civil rights. I'm talking 1865 and uh, 1898, not the racist part, because we, we're addressing that. And you can and that is that is nowhere near where it was then. But the mindset of uh, political involvement. That's the mindset. I, w- I really want to go to a T. Thomas Paine mindset of political involvement where we are where we are advocating for black people in a very aggressive manner within the Republican Party and voting and building coalitions within the party. So some of the things that we see because of the nature of, uh, my, of my wife's work with the Texas Kidney Foundation is that we come across and we see a lot of health inequities within the uh, just within the medical system. Is it racist? I believe it is. But I think it's it's uh, it is from my viewpoint, it's hangover or residue from a from a system. Right. That just simply isn't addressing uh, black first issues. And so you when you see that, that's the time to advocate, not just say, oh, the whole system's bad. Well, complain, complain, complain. Get up and make a loud video about how unjust the system is, is that when we see the unjust, we are involved with it. We are uh, involved in, in advocating change and pushing for change in a very aggressive manner. Want to speak to that, Tiffany? Well, uh, I think that it's it's that the racial, you know, racial components are in this. That definitely, that's for sure. But this is a money issue. Mm-hmm. When it comes down to health care and health inequity, and anytime you tie. Uh, Capitalism, making money to health, you tie up making money to health care, then the outcomes, what are the outcomes that you're looking for? If you're looking to make more money, do people get better? Are you looking to make people well? Or are you looking to make them well enough that you can continue making money on this process? And would, That's more of what's going on And I would here. break that up and into then it breaks out. It, Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I would break it to say preventive versus uh, maintaining of health. Of That's sickness. right. You don't see it as much information, um, as much of a push on preventative. You will see pill after pill after pill after pill after pill come out. You see therapeutics, mm-hmm. fancy way of saying pills and different forms of therapy. Uh, you see those heavy emphasis on them, heavy rotation. Ask your doctor for this. Ask your doctor for that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always some some pill that has that then has residual effects on the rest of your body. But even if that pill can be preventive, right? So in the case of kidney disease, mm-hmm. right? It, we know from recent research that if there's a medication, Tiffany, that... There are medications that, that slow down kidney disease. There are also medications that help cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. The same medications are beneficial in two areas. And you will not... It, you there's there's big time uh, doctors 
standing up against those medications being disseminated because they're about to lose income. But they don't put it like that. We know they that do behind it. closed doors. Yeah, but we know they that. don't put it like that. They they won't get on a radio station and say that. So let's talk about specifically the pill, uh, the medication in, in the study. I don't know if it's a study, but one of the things that that they've discovered within uh, the VA system with the SLG2s. SLGT2s. OK. Um, well, what they've discovered is that that medication within within the, the medical field, what? Three years ago, Mm -hmm. four years ago, they discovered that these medications work. And so the study with the uh, with the VA and the VA population, that was over one point one million people. Mm -hmm. They did this study over a two year period. And you had to have had at least two doctor's visits. Mm -hmm. Well, when they did this study, uh, they found that the people with the highest incidence of kidney disease and the highest incidence of diabetes that mm-hmm. would be African Americans and Hispanic people mm-hmm. uh, received the prescription the lowest incidence of receiving the prescription so mm-hmm. that means they were prescribed less than anyone else African Americans it was 8.6% of males you know, females and then uh, 6.1% of, of males mm-hmm. received a prescription for, that for, medication. for medications that would slow down the progression of kidney disease, thereby keeping them from going into dialysis, and uh, improve cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's been phenomenal what, what we've seen in those two medications in uh, human beings and, and what it does. It would, but let's think about this now. Everybody is going to say, okay, this is, is racist. Oh, I, I do believe it is, but to some extent, but it's more of, hey, these people are disp- di- dispendable. These people, you know, it's, o- it's okay because there is an economic engine behind this. There's an economic engine behind it, and that is a pipeline straight over to dialysis where a lot of people are making a lot of money. Yeah, and so... A lot of people are making like, a lot of money. Uh, Medicaid, Medicare is what, for you being on dialysis, is $88,000? Mm-hmm. And so... The, the, dialysis itself, this is not extra things that go along along with dialysis. It's a simple process of di- of dialyzing a patient that's taking all the blood out of their body, cleaning it, and then putting all the blood back into their body. It happens three to four times a week for each patient who is on dialysis across the country. Now, we're and, not saying that dialysis is a bad thing, right? It is not. It, it saves people's lives. But if there's a way to prevent you from getting on dialysis, you want to be involved with that. Yeah. That opportunity should be, be presented to you. Uh, well, what I'm saying is that, that, and this is a fact, 80% of people who are, who go on to dialysis don't have to go on to dialysis. That and that was correct. the case. That was the case before these medications came up because, uh, you can change what you eat. You can adjust a lot of things uh, to, in terms of preventative to not go on to this. But early detection is the key to yeah. that. And early detection did. is the key to, the, to these medications. But when you have, have medications that do what those two families of med- medicines can do, every patient who is dealing with diabetes mm-hmm. and uh, kidney disease Mm-hmm. And cardiovascular disease mm-hmm. should be made aware of those medications and they should be prescribed them. You shouldn't have to walk into your doctor's office and know what the medications are. Mm-hmm. Let me go into a little more detail. So let's talk about being on dialysis. There are several other things, factors that are there, right? Uh, is that we, if you're eligible for a transplant, uh, you're kind of sort of on your own unless you get a caseworker. Right. And I don't think very many people get a case. People, worker, right? people have caseworkers. You got to get a caseworker who's going to to uh, tell you what all your options are, because that ha- has historically been an issue, uh, mm-hmm. especially for people of different ethnic backgrounds. They're, they're not privy to the uh, information on on paired donation, on on uh, 
on what they need to do in order to get a transplant. Mm-hmm. Like when we bring up the subject of paired donation, half of the, the room, nobody knows what it is. Tell us what that is and how it benefits people. Well, paired donation. Uh, the, now, it's really phenomenal because you can have somebody who wants to give you a kidney, mm-hmm. but they're not a match for you. But through the paired donation program, they will go through the, they being the, the, uh, uh, doctors involved with paired donation and mm-hmm. their staff go through and find other people until uh, pair you with pair your kidney donor with others until they find a kidney donor who matches you. Mm-hmm. And then and that and it's a, a chain. So that chain could be, you know, five people, seven people, uh, but they will find somebody that matches you mm-hmm. and do a, a, and do the transplants. And it's just, it's one of the best things to happen. And so there are all these options along the way that prevent you from going into uh, end-stage renal uh, kidney uh, failure, right? There's all these options. ESRD, end-stage renal disease. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person who got hit by a car knows the answer, and I don't. <laughs> uh, there are all these options along the way, right, that oftentimes our people right? Black people aren't aware of, but there are also other people that aren't aware of it. So mm-hmm. the calculus is build a coalition with those, with those other groups. Yeah, that's exactly what And so that's what we're doing, building a coalition, advocating for. So in the process, we're advocating for black people who are disproportionately, that's a word that liberals love to see, disproportionately affected by this disease. But we're also advocating for other people as well. Because when you start looking at, at disease and disease pattern, A, diseases don't know anybody, don't know race, creed, or color. Diseases are just that, diseases. Uh, B, when when we're dealing with uh, with healthcare. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a lot of biases in healthcare. There are Plenty. a lot of racial biases and and just a whole lot of stupid being pushed around. How, but the greatest problem lies with uh what from what I can see lies with uh a disdain for the poor and an attitude that the middle class and the poor are dispensable. That's one of the greatest problems. The second, uh, I think there's two, that there's a toss-up between the two. It's money. Yeah. Money. And I, and I would say, Tiffany, on that one, too, is be, also there's a, a disdain. It's getting paid. There's a disdain for the poor, and mm-hmm. black happens to be shorthand for all of those things that are disdained. Am I saying that there are racist doctors out there? There are, mm-hmm. but there are also a lot who aren't racist. So this, I'm about to get self-righteous. And this, my black first internet people, this is how adults, black first people handle issues is they go out, they see the issue, they address it, they build coalitions and they resolve to get it solved. You've got to build coalitions with and realize that other people are going through something too that looks just like if we're all getting the same outcome whether whether what I'm going through is based on racism or what you're going through is based on classism we're still getting the same outcome mm-hmm. we're still getting the same outcome which is poor health a lack of uh, choices mm-hmm. in healthcare options and uh, ultimately in this case with with kidney disease, you're getting kidney disease progressing virtually unfettered in in a certain group in certain groups within the population, mainly poor. Mm-hmm. So that is why we should form coalitions. That's why you have to advocate for yourself and see who are, who are your brethren within this this uh, problem that you're dealing with. So when I say we should go back to a reset. As as Americans overall, to that post Civil War uh, thing, post Civil War setting of advocating and making sure everyone gets into the government and reset, and that we as Black people we're at that that time we are in a reset. We need to take advantage of the reset. And 
I agree with that. But that's where we need to go with that reset is to get politically involved and get out of the ideology of and Tiffany's going to get mad at me. Them people ain't going to let me go do that. Mm. Oh, they will. In fact, there are plenty of people within the Republican Party who want to build coalitions. So as a be first Republican, come join us and advocate for the things that you believe are right through policy. All right, guys, you should really be here right now. Uh, Tiffany was in a car accident uh, where this uh, lady T-boned her. And you shouldn't so, be gloating over my accident. I'm not gloating. It's funny because we're here in, my, in our bedroom and she's kind of in and out of it. And I'm laughing because she knows more of the answers than I do and still coming across as passionate. All right. One of the things, Tiffany, that I saw on uh, on our state, uh, on the YouTube channel was people, uh, a lot of people were mocking us. And I think the Internet term is they were trying to drag us on the Internet, right? Well, uh, drag me. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> on our uh, stance because I am practical, right? I tend to go, if I want something, how in the heck do we get it, right? So if we're not happy with one thing, let's, can, you know, how do we do it? If we don't like Coke, we want Pepsi. How do we go get Pepsi? Let's make out a plan. Do How do I get the HEB, et cetera? But anyway, all that to say is that one of the questions that we got uh, that I think we need to honestly address is someone said, where the heck is the Republican Party going? And uh, well, now we'll talk about the, that. Let's those about that. people that that say stuff like that, they're correct. I I I look at some stuff and I'm like, this is ridiculous, and that's exactly why there should be uh, black first Republicans in the Republican Party to to take a stick to stupid. Yeah, but we but the thing that with democracy, you got it's got to be enough of you to take yeah. the stick to stupid to where it's meaningful. Yep. Right. So like right now in the Democratic that's Party, that's why we keep telling the those same people people like that who are whining at us, hey. Mm-hmm. You can come in and make a difference. A huge difference, mm-hmm. right? More than what you think, right? The difference, right? So I always, you know, and, and black people get will, engaged. Black people who have the, we, you have the numbers on the Democratic Party, but you're locked in, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have anyone to adjust that against. They're like, oh, you're going to vote. You're going to vote for us. We come into the Republican Party. The opportunity is to adjust us against the crazies. There are far more rational white Republicans than you would believe, right, Mm -hmm. who are willing to hear. But when only 12 percent of the voting population of a group votes the party, that's not viable. You can get on the Internet and wherever and rant and rave all you want to about racism, which I think a lot of that crap, I want to be honest here, is really simply advocated uh, by these people who are basically losers, Right. Who talk about different things on uh, and, and advocate, quote unquote, be one things, but aren't doing anything. And the real grassroots people who are on the ground doing something in their communities, advocating in ways they're going through the political system and you can't give up on the political system. I don't care what Tariq Rashid says. Right. The guy's a loser. Right. Typical person. Right. Typical nerd, in my opinion, gets on there. Uh, and advocates, we're just not going to vote. The issues that he's bringing up, uh, they're legitimate issues. But how do you go in and advocate for those? Police brutality, right? So it is people use blackness to make victims, right? So we can come against the police. And then the ignorance in the Republican Party and Republican media are reactionary, right? Who say, oh, no, that guy should have followed the rules. Right. When we know as black people, right, that we set the standard, what's going to be normalized in terms of the harshness. Right. So if you're saying it's okay to brutalize a black man and beat the snot out of him, you get what you get in Arkansas. That guy was white. You're beating the stuffings out of him. And they've had four or three other people. Right. But those people, those white people are poor. So black is shorthand for poor. That's true. Whether you like it or not. So it becomes normalized to beat the for to let to justify police doing those type the bottom ten percent of the police force doing those type of things, and they're doing that to to the poor across the board. Mm-hmm. They're doing it more 
to black people what they're doing it across the board yeah. in, in absolute numbers. When you talk about percentage of black people to the to the percentage of people in the the country, then yes, we are disproportionately higher percentage wise. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about uh, absolute numbers, it's happening to every people group that falls under the uh, the poverty line. Yeah, when you start looking at at what people make and where they're living, uh, those things, then you see a lot of this happening mm-hmm. to the poor because they don't have a, because their mentality is, uh, well, who are they going to go to? They don't have lawyers. They can't afford lawyers. They can't afford this, that, or the uh, the third. We can do what we want to do. Yeah, and sometimes I feel there's a, a guy on the internet, his name is The Real Nathan Daly. He does a show. He says, and it happens to black people too. I mean, and it happens to white people too, right? And the reason he's doing that, not to uh, minimize what happened to the black person, but to show it's happening to everybody and it needs to be addressed. Because mm-hmm. well. you have white people going out thinking, well, I have white privilege, right? If you listen to white privilege, it's not going to keep you from getting your butt smacked by the cop if you're poor. Mm-hmm. It's not. I don't care. It's not. Just you're not taking one to the face if they decide they want to do something. To yeah. It. So how do you address that issue? Do I simply complain that there's systemic white supremacy? Maybe there is. I don't know. But I just know the bottom 10% of any group, any workforce, always going to suck. And that's when you look at these people who, who assault these folks, these police officers who assault citizens, unarmed citizens, right? You find out, oh, this guy's at the bottom 10%. But the question for me is, how do you address it? Coalitions. Coalitions at the local level. Mm-hmm. And uh, a young lady- I, I think the biggest fear of, of people who perpetuate all this nonsense is uh, is the thought of of us getting smart and forming coalitions with one another mm-hmm. and realizing that all this race baiting is just that race baiting mm-hmm. that we uh, need to look at what the issues are. Mm-hmm. What are we all dealing with? Mm-hmm. And and by we, I mean those of us who are not uh, in the top 2%. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not in the top 2% of income. You're not in the top 10% of income. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to navigate through life. What's, what's, what are the barriers in your, your life and community? Because you, when you start looking at that along those lines, then you see that the barriers run straight across uh, socioeconomic uh, status. Yep. They, they, that is the, the resounding link amongst all of us. And, that's, and that doesn't have a color. That's why all of us are dealing with the same things. And so I'm going to address something that's going to come up, right? And because people are going to go, well, that's not black first. That's not black first. Yeah, that is black first. Yes, We're building is. coalitions. This is how adults do this. Mm-hmm. And there is a young lady here locally in San Antonio, and she, her, could you give her is it name? Ananda? Yeah, Ananda, Ananda. She's a perfect example. She saw a wrong. She was, she was upset and complained about it, right? Which is right, the right thing to do. But then you know what she did? She went out and figured out the policies. Mm-hmm. She went out. She got with people who understood it. She built a coalition. She has coalitions. And she addressed the issue here in San Antonio. Now, does that mean she doesn't have to continually address it? Oh, she does. She has to mm-hmm. address it. And in every each instance that comes up. Yeah. And she's got to make know? a decision on when she's judging these issues, right? Mm-hmm. Because she's advocating. And the other thing that they start, she saw as the issue was a lot of times with the bottom 10% in the, in the police force who are just horrible, the police unions back them. Mm-hmm. Right. The police unions back them. Now, I'm not I'm not anti-union, but that's an issue. Right. That you have to address. We're talking nuts and bolts. We're not talking rhetoric now. I'm not we're not out saying, oh, this is white supremacy. They're just doing this to minorities. Uh, no, we're talking. This is how you do. This is what you do as an adult who's black first, mm-hmm. practical. How do we get what we want? A.K.A. as the rappers, young people say, how do we get the bag? We get the bag by practically figuring out how the system works and building coalitions. Without that, mm-hmm. you could just it's just a bunch of complaints. So this is the practicality of it. You're going to say something, Tiffany? No, no. I'm I'm saying coalitions have to be formed. Yeah, and I'm, it, 
And in each instance, the coalitions need to come out. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it can't be that only that you're uh, just having a blanket discussion about yep. this and and acting like nobody else is affected by it. Mm-hmm. There's there are uh, groups of pe- the poor across the board and the. Uh, well, I'll say anybody that's below the upper upper middle class, and even in the upper middle class, you see that as mm-hmm. well. Uh, but we all have some commonalities yep. that that go across uh, racial lines, and that actually the through line for those commonalities is socioeconomic. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, right, what we understand as black people is that being labeled black often is shorthand. For that. Now, this mm-hmm. isn't. Yeah, people discuss black people as if we're one monolith and mm-hmm. everybody's poor. Everybody that's black is poor. Well, everybody that's black isn't poor. Uh, and within our people group, we see, we definitely see, uh, it's nuanced. We we definitely see, see attacks on black people across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of things like police brutality. Mm-hmm. We see those same attacks happening to anyone mm-hmm. who is at a certain socioeconomic level. Yeah. And anybody who's serious about there being change for black people, anyone who, who who throws out the term B1, you see them on the Internet and they're not talking through this and thinking through this from a very practical basis. And they're only giving you rhetoric. Right. Uh, they're just building you. They're building a victim mentality into you. Period. Right. So practically, you've got to sit down and we think about these things. Well, the goal is to is to to get people to think of themselves as victims, because the moment that you think that that you personally are a victim, then you're abdicating the opportunity to be a victor. You're advocating that opportunity because you you have the power within you to be victorious over anything. Yeah. But if you believe you can't, yeah, it's gone. And, and, and there are, believe it or not, my B ones, there are, there are decent white people who want to make a change. They're not perfect white people. They're decent people. There are people who are just a few generations out of poverty, out of the trailers mm-hmm. and wherever they came from, right? Who are doing well for themselves and who also want to do, who want to assist their relatives uh, do well also. Right. And those are people who want to build coalitions. Those are people we can build coalitions with in order to get the things that we as B ones want. Right. We all want better education for our children. We all want law and order with accountability and responsibility on the Mm -hmm. part of the police and also the citizens. Right. We all want those things. Right. But in order to get those things, you have to be represented on both sides of the aisle. It's not happening with the Democratic mm-hmm. Party. Folks. Oh, you admit it. Yeah. I just believe the numbers should be larger <laughs> than you. You want 50 percent, 50, 50. I want like 80, 20. And I want people to come back and say, I want Democrats to say, what do we need to do to get back the B1 vote? That's what I think on that one. So I know for those of you on the Internet, this is some uh, this is some grown folk stuff, some OG stuff of practicality of how you actually get what you want. Right. So and uh, I welcome Internet comments there. Right. Mm-hmm. I welcome those idiots in the comments who say you act like we're some political group. If you're not a political animal involved, not simply voting involved in the Republican Party, you're wasting your time. Our entire lives are affected by politics. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be able to to take control of what's happening in in your neighborhoods and in the economic system that you find yourself in, then you better start acting like like uh we're a party and we we have something have some political savvy. Yeah. And so there is and this is our last wrap we'll wrap up this sesh, this section. There is historical precedence Historical precedence. That means it's been done before between if you go look up 1865 to 1898 civil rights movement, right, where they were literally killing people by the hundreds, right, 
killing people by the hundreds, both black and their white allies, as they were advocating for us to live up to the dream of all men are created equal. They were killing people, right? And those guys, when I say those guys, the freedmen in the the freedmen of that time made changes, right? Unfortunately, right? They were willing to put their they were willing to put their their lives. None of us have to risk being shot or killed, right, on our way to the poll. None of us. Mm -hmm. And if that does happen, boy, that's going to be hell to pay. In fact, I'll show you how I'll I'll give. I said I was going to wrap this up, but I'm on a tangent, right? Is that our society has changed so much that these racist people making racist tropes, they don't even have the break. They, they don't even have the audacity to put their face on on their comments. They have some weird name because they know they will be fired. Right. That's how much our country has changed. Uh, today, we're talking practicalities today. Right. Not a whole lot of rhetoric on our side. So we've just given a, a, a big, healthy dose of, hey, Here's how we get things done uh, to our B1 audience out there. And uh, I want to talk about that because I always feel some type of way when I discuss uh, issues of black responsibility and accountability uh, in a predominantly non-black area. Right. So Tiff and I, we talk about that every time I hear someone. You mean uh, with people who are not black? Yeah, with people who are not black. I'm trying to say it politically correct. Right. Mm -hmm. For the radio. So with people who are not black, uh, I have an issue with that because it feels like I'm minimizing uh, issues with black people. Right. And sometimes when we bring up issues with potential um, uh, uh, allies. Right. When I say it also happens to white people. Right. Is that I know that's used in a way that to diminish uh, it happening to black folks. That is not how I'm using it. I'm using it to say, hey, that's a group of people that we can build a coalition with. Right. And when we build out that coalition, we go, who are the, who, who are those people related to, et cetera. Right. As we build out a coalition, because oftentimes what happens uh, is that people will say, for instance, they'll say when you say black lives matter, black lives matter, the concept. Right. They'll say all lives matter to neutralize that as if it's not important. And we, we do that all the time here on the Republican side, especially in, in the media and the press, is they bring it up to to minimize the impact of what actually is happening to uh, to black people. So when police, uh, when that bottom 10 percent of the police force, right, brutalize an African-American, they'll bring up black on black crime, which they use that to minimize the importance of that, that black on black crime. Well, there's white on white crime. Right. Because. Crime is a proximity thing. So if you're a criminal, you're going to criminalize the people you're closest to. Right. Doesn't matter if you're black, white or green. Right. So they use that to minimize the importance and not address the nuance. Right. Black on black crime is generally citizens. Right. Versus when a, when the bottom 10 percent of the police force assault someone or aren't professional. Right. That person is an agent of the state. Right. An agent of the state who kills someone should be held to a higher standard. You don't get the power of God, but the responsibility of a four year old just doesn't work that way. Right. So when I bring up an issue uh, and say, hey, they do it to white people, too. Right. Is that that's an issue of hey, those are possible people we can build a coalition with within the party. Right. Because white privilege didn't work for them. They got the butt kicked by the bottom 10 percent. Right. So that's what's going on there. So uh, back to the, t- the topic, right, is when I'm talking about issues, uh, uh, black issues and the responsibility and accountability that we need to have to ourselves. Right. And I do that in a white in a predominantly white environment. Right. Which is the majority of people who listen to AM radio. Right. We'll get more people on the Internet listening to this. But I always feel some type of way because I always feel like. Some racist, right, is going to take this and say, see, you know, your culture is one of irresponsibility, et cetera. That drives me crazy. Well, and, I don't care what they say. Yeah. But it's, I, I still it's an emotional thing for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And but we but that but but here's the practicality of how we get what we want. That's how I think. Right. I always thinking, how can we get that? Right. So we can get it this way or, or if we can over how do we overcome the objections? Right. And so uh, I was listening to a uh, I think I was listening to Glenn. Oh, yeah. John McWhorter uh, and, uh, and and Glenn Lowry. I was listening to their radio show the other day and 
you know, they were talking about an issue. Uh, and I think they were right. If it was just the just the four of us, me, Tiffany, and the two of them, I would agree with them, right, in regards to this. But they were telling the truth. But I felt some type of way about it. And just like I thought, down in the bottom of the section, right? You felt like it should be a closed conversation yeah, it, with other black people, not an open conversation where uh, Caucasians could be coming in and commenting or or other ethnicities that are supportive of of uh, racist ideology. Yeah, and that just bugs me. And I do feel, I, and, and so that is the concern, right? And and we're going to get a lot of that on the radio, right? Uh, a lot of that on, on, especially on the internet. But these are issues that practically need to be addressed in terms of politically, how do you build a coalition? Do you just sit and rant and rave? And, and do you do that? Or do you go, hey, I want to do something about this. Let's go in and build coalitions to have make this happen. Right. And you got to know where to effectively build the coalition. Federal government can only do so much. Right. The way our system is set up, it's set up uh, on the local level. So we have to start looking locally and where do we get involved, right? We have to go in and advocate in areas that impact uh, B1s the most and go in and advocate for that. Right. So that is the practicality. No one's giving us anything in terms of policy that they don't have to. The reason the Democrats don't give us uh, the things that we believe in or we're highly advocating for because they don't have to because our our vote is diluted. But people go, if I go over to the Republican side, it's going to be the same thing, possibly, but not at this juncture. Practically, more of us going in, in, in to vote, especially in key districts and key areas. When you look at the numbers of the number of people who vote overall, if we can come in and be those independent voices to swing votes, then we have power. We mm-hmm. have power to get better education uh, for our communities. We have power to address policing and do it in a law and order, but with accountability, right, and responsibility on the police side and on the community side, Right that's the practicality of it. But nobody wants to hear that, right? We love to hear good rhetoric about how oppressed we are, right? And now being a victim is is, is a big thing now, right? So that's where you get a lot of the uh, the Trump's, uh, uh, a lot of the base of Trump, right? Is everybody wants to be a victim. You've been enjoying On the Record with Tiffany. We encourage you to share these stories with friends and family. You can listen to other shows by going to 930amtheanswer.com. And join us next week for On the Record with Tiffany on 930am The Answer. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.